Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Could guns and roses make it today? Well, we get to ask the woman who developed them and managed them on the road. And what do you make of a band that is one of the most creative ever, but it's just recorded their first album after 30 years of playing? Well, stay tuned and you'll find out from Los Angeles, California, the music capital of America. It's Music Friday Live, and we are brought to you by World Arts the platform for fans, bands, and music industry pros. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. Stay tuned. This is Patrick O'Heffernan, and I am your host on Music Friday Live, and this is your show. Our guests are here to talk with you So call in 347-215-7411, or you can email us. You can email our guest at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And if you're on a podcast, and I know about half of you do listen to us on a podcast, go ahead and email anyway, and we'll see to it that our guests get your questions. And speaking of guests, I think we have one on the line. Rosemary Butler is on the line, and I think she's going to tell us about a great weekend. Hi, Rose. Tell us about the party this weekend. Oh, yeah, we're going to come to uh, to Bogies. We're having a great party, and um, the band is, is rough. Um, it's uh, this Sunday from 6 to 9 at Bogies in Westlake. And uh, okay. it's one of our players' birthday, Lori Reamer on percussion, Eddie Chiduri on drums, Bob, uh, Bonfi- Rob Leo on guitar, and Larry Antonino on bass, and George Friedenthal on keys. Well, and, for our, uh, our audience, for, to... folks in the, for folks in the huh? audience who may, for folks in the audience who may not know who you are or what Bogies is, so let me give them a little bit of a, um, some background here. Um, Thank you. You are a major, you've been both a major backup singer and a star recording and, and uh, singing blues and Americana. You have opened or you have sung background for groups like the Rolling Stones, Jackson Brown, Bonnie Raitt, and many others. And you can sing in multiple languages. You have an album out, Rosemary Butler, You Just Watch Me. That's the name of the album. So what else is on your plate right now? I know you've got the, the, the party at Bogies. And incidentally, for our, our listeners in Southern California, Bogies is in Westlake Village. That's North San Fernando Valley. It's a great place that you, they, even though it's out in the valley, they do some marvelous things out there. So what else? else is on on your plate right now uh, rose are you writing recording you planning a tour yeah yeah i'm working on the next album and that is or do you have a name for it yet i don't have a name yet and i'm still looking for material so if there's some really great songwriters out there i'd love to have some submissions to my um facebook or you know rosemarybutler.com Reserve Nation. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, yeah. let, let's 
let's tell people once again how they can follow you and get in touch with you. Okay, rosemarybutler.com. I'm on Facebook. I have a regular one, and then I have a band page for Reverb Nation. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, let's let's not forget that the uh, the party uh, this weekend is on Sunday night. Starts at six o'clock. It's at Bogies, and that's in Westlake Village. That's the north end of the San Fernando Valley for all my Southern California listeners. And uh, if you're not in Southern California, and you can't go to the party tonight, get her albums or stream her on Spotify. Either one will do. So thank you so much for, for dropping in and letting us know. Oh, yeah. I, I really love your show. I think it's really fun, and it's, it's, it's got great energy, and I hope to meet some of you if somebody wants to call in. Okay. All right. Well, we've got to, we've got to run right now. We got to take a break and welcome in all of our affiliates. But when we come back, we've got a real surprise for you. Stick against stone. How's that for the name of the band? So don't go away. Cameo Entertainment Group and CyberStation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive CyberStation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. CyberStation USA. Always on the go. And we're back. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan. I am I am your host here on uh, Music Friday Live, and uh, I want to just make sure everybody knows that uh, about our our broadcast partner. And also, I want to make sure everybody knows that um, how they can listen on a variety of different platforms. So, but first of all, I just want to uh, give you a little bit of a preview of our, of our uh, broadcast platform. That's the World Arts Organization. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Arts, it's all about the music. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan, and that is a word from our broadcast partner, World Arch. We are there. You should be there, too. It's a great place. Well, I want to walk, welcome all of our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates, and, and also all of our listeners in London, too, on the Artist Echoes network, who, of course, won't hear us until tonight, but, but hi over there. If you have questions or comments for our guests, call us at 347-215-7511, or you can email your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And like I said, if you're listening to us on a podcast, you can still questions for our guests and we will forward them. Bands go through changes. It's sort of a fact of life that 
only the Rolling Stones seem to be able to defy. Bands break up, they reunite, they change names, they change styles, they add people, they lose people, they change homes, they people join other bands, they go solo, they leave music altogether. It's all part of the ebb and flow of the creative process. Stick Against Stone has had a history of all that over its 30-year lifetime. And with each change, at each new step in their evolution, they have maintained what many critics feel is one of the most creative blends of Afrobeat, punk, Afro reggae, funk, jazz, dub, and horns and percussions in our time. They started out writing music in a basement in Pittsburgh. They've crisscrossed the country, sometimes in a converted yellow school bus. They've played music and occasionally they played politics. And now they have, after 30 years, recorded an album. And it's a must-hear, must-buy, must-play album. And with us today to tell us a bit of that history and also tell us about the music Stick Against Stone creates is percussionist manager and creative force Will Kreff. Will, welcome to Music Friday Live. Hi, thank you, Patrick. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm sure that you're sort of sick of answering the question, what took you so long to record an album? So I'm not going to ask it. In instead, I'm going to ask you, what prompted you to record after three decades of success in live performances? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there were just low fidelity recordings. There were cassettes handed from person to person. There, but there wasn't a proper album, to your point. And uh, one song had appeared on a compilation from a small uh, Pittsburgh rec uh, radio, uh, record label called TMI. But just one song, right? I mean, that's hardly representative uh, work for any group. And uh, it, it was pressed on vinyl back in about 1983. 82 and uh, disappeared into the into the ether but the group moved around to your point quite a bit and that may be part of why um, it never settled down and just uh, went into the studio plus for those old enough to remember back in the 80s it was hard to get the, the connections and the money and the 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 whole energy level together to go in and record an album and press it and then and let alone find a label if you were going independent. There were some notable examples in the punk era of DIY independent labels um, right there in Southern California, uh, but um, mm -hmm. it wasn't everywhere, and, the, and that knowledge was not widely distributed. Well, I want to ask you uh, to that point, uh, how is it that six people in Pittsburgh in 1981, before it was easy to be DYI and get all this kind of information in and listen to lots of other bands on Spotify and whatever, how did, how did those six people decide that percussion and horns and Afro jazz punk reggae was what they wanted to do? I mean, the top, the top billboard songs that you're just so our, our, our listeners have the context. The top Billboard songs that year were by Kim Carnes, Diana Ross, Kenny Rogers, John Lennon, Cool and the Gang, Real Speedwagon. So what pointed you to horns and percussion and jazz and Afro-punk? Well, um, the group started before I met them, so I can speak kind of like as a historian level. I, I later became their sound man in 1984. But in 81, when they started, they were kind of in a re rejection of, uh, in some ways, a rejection of guitars and punk rock, and let alone pop music and arena rock and, uh, you know, what would later be, would come along, hair metal, things like that. They 
grew up listening to a lot of eclectic musics, and then in the best sense of the world, word they had a community radio station in Pittsburgh, uh, WYEP. They listened to, and also college radio stations that would bring over import records from England and Jamaica, and uh, you know, uh, you know, twelve inches from from Germany and Africa and places like they would have all this great music in their ears. Yet they were in Western Pennsylvania, in basically the the, the Rust Belt. Um, and so the, if you're going to be punk in the Midwest, you, you really have to be dedicated to it <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> saying our music, we're going to create something new and we're going to consciously try to take our influences and go in a different direction. And that's what their friends have acknowledged when I've talked to them, that um, they, they wanted to reject some formulas, three, three chords and, and two, two, two guitars and a gr- and a drummer and a bass player and a grudge. Um, they wanted to go in a different direction, and and they had all the the skills because they grew up playing horns and jazz drumming, and uh, while many of them were in rock bands before that time. Well, as as it turned out, uh, they picked the right direction. Uh, today, thirty years later, fusion music with Afro and Latin beats is all over the place. Um, so they were they were kind of precursors of that in a way. Now, the band, as we saw, talked about, the band moved around a lot. They were in New York City. They went to Oregon. They spent a lot of time on the road. Um, when you joined them in 1984, so you were part of uh, their, their moving around, did you pick up influences in each of those places, or did the music stay pretty much the same? Uh, I'd say maybe yes and no. Um, I think the influences were uh, maybe not necessarily... Um, local influences per se. I think they were they were different. They stood out wherever they were. Um, they weren't just the, they weren't just punk. They weren't just reggae. They weren't just rock. They weren't just like jazzy or influenced by by horns. Um, they had a little bit of all those things and yet still had their own sound. And songwriting wise, it was more melodic than the what came earlier in the New York uh, downtown scene, which was with no the no wave movement, which was more dissonant, more abrasive, more kind of confrontational. This was, I'd say, a blend of some pop songwriting, but uh, in the sense of more uh, a, a lean toward melody, but still with uh, elements of ex- ex- experimentation. Well, uh, the album Instant uh, really showcases the complex Afro beats and, and the jazz horns. Uh, so I, I assume that's just who the band is, is, is those beats and those horns. Well, that's where they come from. Uh, Richard, the original drummer, was the son of a jazz drummer. He grew up listening to, uh, he worked at, his father owned a record store in a little town in central Pennsylvania called Indiana, Pennsylvania. And uh, one of the things he told me was that uh, his dad said, if there's ever a record you want to hear, you can go take it home and listen to it. And so he was listening, diving into Fela Kuti and King Sonny and uh, some of the, the best, uh, you know, Afrobeats and high life and, you know, African pop music, uh, along with uh, Jamaican imports as well. So he was uh, deep into rhythms from around the world, in addition to knowing what was happening with progressive music in, in Europe and also with the punk movement coming over. So there was a cross-pollination that was happening at that time. And I think there's a small window in time between 
the very late 70s and the early mid 80s where you saw a lot more chances being taken in music and contemporary music in general uh, where all those cultural things were kind of up for grabs if you will yeah well like i said that they were uh, they were precursors let's give our audience a little bit of a a taste of of this this is some of the uh, this is the title Before we, we, we talk about the music, and, uh, and I want to point everyone to the lyrics, uh, the words rug under goes and still you go on face in the mirror and it's you all alone. Now, not only is that very clever writing, the reference to saying to the saying about pulling the rug out from under you and then to the Robert Graves poem, A Face in the Mirror, which, of course, was in The Doors song, the 1967 song, when the music is over. So there's a lot going on here at many levels. And, and Daniel Ramirez, who I think wrote, wrote those lyrics in 1984, was very, very good at it. Has, has it changed over the years? Ha, have people in the band sort of tweaked it? Or are we hearing the final cut of that song? You're hearing, I think, the final cut of that song, um, and that's because Daniel is on that song. Um, just a quick note for the listeners, um, Daniel Ramirez, our um, rhythm and sometimes lead guitar player for the group, we lost, unfortunately, last November to cancer. He passed away in, uh, right uh, the week the album came out. But uh, we're happy to say that uh, amidst that sad uh, thing is that he was thrilled to know the music was coming out after all these years. And he was um, he was brilliant too. It's a great loss to music in general. Yeah, and the, the song is a it's a very uh, heavy song. It's kind of about a tale of an abused woman, uh, and for a man to write it from that perspective and to be in character, um, the song "Instant." Uh, I really love that fact that uh, he could really get into the character of this individual who is kind of on the run and all she's all her friends. She doesn't know who her friends are anymore, and She's in an abusive relationship, and that's that's some interesting songwriting. You don't hear themes like that always necessarily in in rock and pop and and funk. No, you don't. Now, your website uh, has a link in it to lyrics and to the credits on all the songs, and that's rare, and and I really appreciate it. Now, why does your band take the trouble to do that when so many bands don't even publish their lyrics? Oh, I, I don't know the, the, the full answer to that other than um, it's a long time coming with they're trying to get these words and these, this music out in the world. So it's, 
uh, I'm a bit of a, of a data nerd, so I, I try to pay attention to making sure that people can have access to, to stuff like that. Even we have uh, set lists going back 35 years on, on Setlist FM, um, and we're still trying to fill that in. The gigs that they played in you know, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Oregon, California, <laughs> um, the tours they've been on. So it's that sense of um, telling a story through what you've done and what, and also the the material and the message you're trying to get across. It's um, it takes work. You're right. It does take work. And, and it's appreciated. We are talking with uh, Will, uh, Will Kreth of Stick Against Stone, and you can talk with him too. You can call us at 347-215-7511, or you can email him, and we actually are getting emails already, Will. You can email him at uh, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And we're going to get to those emails in just a minute, but there's some more music uh, we, we want to play here, and uh, this one particularly is Breaking Habits. love that we're, we're taking a little trip to jamaica there and also um there's two versions of that uh that song on the album the other one is with uh, gj uh soy sauce which is kind of mystical and not really jamaican um if we have time we may play a bit of the other one too but in the meantime uh, i can't let the lyrics in that one get by me if you mind your own affairs cause nobody harm but when you look, you look the other way, the trouble hits you double hard. Now, that's uh, uh, Saturday morning, Morningside singing. She also sang the original when it was written in 1983. Has she been with the band since the beginning? And is, are those the original lyrics? Those are the original lyrics. And uh, she has not been with the band since the very, very beginning. But she joined in 83. That was a, the band was only two years old, I guess, or a little two and a half years old when she uh, came on board. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate the writing. I often say that, you know, poetry's not dead. It's all around us. We just call it lyrics now. And, uh, some of the, the lyrics in many of your songs, uh, really prove that point. Um, well, it's, uh, I think it, I would say, like I said, there, there's several writers and I think the shared experience yeah. of them being in close quarters pushed them to <laughs> write kind of confessional lyrics which I think often the ones that resonate with people the most if they feel personal. And there's definitely some, um, there's some uh, stories behind every song. Well, you keep very good records. Uh, did you know, or did in sticks and stick against stones know that, uh, you were going to be historic? Oh no. I think, I think, uh, many of us had given up, at some point or another, but that's okay. It's, it's like, I think everyone feels like in, in as, the, as the years go by that, you know, the chain, your window is passed and your time is, is perhaps not uh, going to come. And uh, the, the reboot, or I call the rehydration of this group started in about 2006 uh, when I 
try to, to I brought some of the former members together to uh, re-record some of the tracks down at uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, I'm really glad you did. Very, very glad you did. Now we have some emails here. Uh, we've got uh, Ralphie in North Hollywood, and Ralphie wants to know: um, Has the band toured constantly? And also, will we ever see you in California? Well, thanks for that. Uh, no, not constantly. Um, we're living and playing in in uh, New York now. Um, the Sari, the singer, and uh, I, myself, and uh, we also sometimes have guests from um, the, from the group from way back who come out from Pittsburgh. Bob Wenzel's a horn player who uh, sits in with us on occasion. We've been playing for a few years here, uh, various uh, lineups of the group in New York City, um, and we'd love to get back to California. The group lived in San Francisco and pl- and played there from '85 to about 1990. Uh, okay. But we'd love to get back on the road. Uh, but that uh, all these things take time, as you know. Well, Rinaldi in in Austin uh, wants to know if you've ever been to South by Southwest. Uh, I yes, I, I, I well the band no, not the band. I have been there uh, several times myself, but just kind of as a participant and and ch- checking things out. Um, but uh, uh, it's definitely uh, something. Sure, who wouldn't want want to uh, come down to Austin? Love Austin. I lived there six years. All right. Well, we're we're getting a little tight on time, and I have one more song I want to play. But uh, we have one from hometown. Uh, Selena in New York City uh, says, "I heard you're going to have a gig at Rockwood. Is that right?" That's correct. Thanks, Selena. That's this Sunday at 8 p.m. We'll be at uh, Rockwood Music Hall, uh, Stage One, uh, with about seven of us. And uh, we'd love folks to come out if you're in the New York metro uh, to, to see us. And, uh, and to our friends in California, you know, we'd love to get out there as well, too, and hopefully in good time. Okay. Well, we have uh, just a little bit of time left, and I want to play uh, Mom's a Bungee. I, I really love that song, actually, because I've been I've been listening to uh, the music uh, all day yesterday, and I think that's probably my favorite song. <laughs> okay. oh, thanks. And just the title alone, you know, you just can't pass that up. Now, Daniel wrote those lyrics. This is a relatively modern song for you. Those lyrics were 2008. And uh, the line in there, mom's a bungee. I'm a clown. I know I'm not alone. And then she, he talks about her stretching her love from coast to coast. You know, that, that's pretty profound. Was, was he referring to his mother or to collective mothers of the band or to an iconic mother we all know and love? <laughs> I think it's a little of both. Or none of the above. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think there is some personal biographical things of his journey 
uh, his uh, kind of coming of age story, like moving away from home and uh, and going uh, and going alone and uh, leaving town. He came from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, small town in central Wisconsin. Uh, okay. So, and so, uh, and mom's love stretched all over the place. All right. Well, that that's a great song. Uh, we are out of time, uh, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can get your music. Oh, um, we're available in a lot of places, but uh, the place we most encourage folks to check us out is on Bandcamp. Um, so this uh, Stick Against Stone on Bandcamp is uh, easily findable once you get there. Um, of course, um, we're, like everybody else, available on Spotify and uh, all the major streaming services and uh, physical through uh, some uh, Amoeba in California and uh, uh, we have a distributor out of the Midwest, uh, CTD, who's got us uh, placed with uh, some key record stores around the country. Okay, all right. Well, I, I always like to direct people to Bandcamp because they they pay real mu- money to musicians, and as people listen to the show, it's, know, and I'm it's direct, it's direct uh, to the fan. It's, yeah, it's direct to the fan where you can have a real connection with people, and I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it. Patrick, thank you so much for your time and for uh, asking us to be on the show. Uh, hope folks have a chance to check it out, and uh, best to you and uh, and to the show. Well, thank you. That's uh, Will Kreth of Stick Against Stone. You can follow them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and also get their first and only album in 30 years of playing at bandcamp.com and all the usual platforms, but really it's best at Bandcamp. We have to take a quick break now, and when we return what it took to create mega groups like Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue, and would it work today? We talked to the one person who can answer that question because she was there. Vicki Hamilton, don't go away. You are not going to miss, you're not going to want to miss this one. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Arts, it's all about the music. And we're back. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan. We're here at Music Friday Live. And I want you to think about something. Every time you download or you stream a rock song or any song, Vicki Hamilton's fingerprints are on it, directly or indirectly, especially if the song is metal or glam rock or hair metal. Vicky's life story is the stuff of Hollywood dreams, including a near-death experience. An art school dropout from a small town in Indiana, she went to the Sunset Strip and wound up in the metal and glam rock revolution and became one of the most powerful record executives in the country. In her career, she managed Guns N' Roses and sued them, worked with bands like Motley Crue, Book Striper, created a record company to record Gene June Carter Cash in a career that reached dizzying heights and also crashed and burned before bouncing back. 
And she's still putting her fingerprints in the music world. She's helping bands maneuver through a radically changed music landscape, as anybody who listens to this program knows. She's involved in films, books, got a book out, she's writing musicals, and from all appearances, she seems to be having about as much fun as ever. Vicki, welcome to Music Friday Live. It's an honor to talk with you. Hey, Patrick. How you doing today? I'm doing well. There, you know, there is so much to talk about. Your book, your film, your screenplay, your musical, your stories. But I think the place to start may be with, with Tom Petty. I understand That's that. That's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good place to start, right? Yeah. <laughs> he told, if I recall, he said something along the lines that um, he, with your looks, Blondie, you were meant to be in L.A. So do you remember, can you think back what went through your head when he said that? Um, how fast can I move was the first thing I thought. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I started figuring out, I didn't know anybody in L.A., so I had to, like, figure out how I was going to get here and... Uh, you know, I came for a month. I knew one girl that was a nurse and uh, stayed with her for a month and checked it out. Nearly got her fired from her job. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I went back for so a year you... to Indiana, saved money and came back. So. so a blues man sent you to L.A., but you fell in love with metal. How did that happen? Um. I don't know. Would you call Tom Petty a blues man? I, you know, yeah. I don't know. He's kind yeah. of, I guess, based in blues, but a rocker nonetheless. But yeah. uh, it was a little different time. I mean, when I when I moved to L.A., it was sort of punk rock dominated, at least on the Sunset Strip. And um, in Indiana, I, know, I, was I just here. loved Tom Petty. You know, I kind of stalked Tom Petty and Van Halen and, you know, bands like that. So. All right. Well, in your book, uh, your book, Appetite for Dysfunction, it, you describe success and downfall and climbing back. So real quickly, what was the arc of your career? Oh, boy, really? Okay. Um, record store <laughs> Well, we don't clerk. want to tell too much because we want people to go get the book. So just give them a little tease. Yeah. Um, I started out in Indiana as a record store clerk and I promoted free concerts and I was a journalist and when I moved to LA I was first a cocktail waitress and then a record store clerk again and I started promoting record or bands on the Sunset Strip. I worked with Motley Crue as a management consultant and then worked at a booking agency where I booked Striper and was a management consultant to them. Then back-to-back, I managed Poison, Guns N' Roses, Faster Pussycat, and, you know, a cast of many other characters. And uh, I did A&R at Geffen Records, and then I worked at Lookout Management, which is Neil Young's company, and uh, then Capitol Records. And then I started my own little label called Small Hairy Dog, which I had a Grammy win with June Carter Cash. And since then, I went back to school, I got sober, and I, um, you know, have written two screenplays, co-written two screenplays and a musical, and my new book, Appetite for Dysfunction, which is, you know, out for a couple months now, doing pretty well. You can buy it on Amazon, or you can get it from my website, where I will sign an autographed coffee to you at Vicki Hamilton, and it's Vicki with a Y, V-I-C-K-Y, Hamilton.com. Well, that, that's, that that's quick quite enough a art career. for you. 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, that, that's good. That, uh, I noticed that uh, you, you mentioned in there that you got sober again, so I assume you got caught up in some of the, the downside of that era in Hollywood, and I know about it because I was there myself. Um, <clears throat> hey, partying was fun for a while, but then it got to the point it where it wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. I, did, like, I was a, that. Uh, in those years, I was an advertising photographer, and uh, I realized that the, the business I was in which involved shooting people who were doing with uh, uh, light musicians uh, was beginning to shift from uh, vodka to cocaine. And at that point I said, you know, I kind of think I want to do something else. And I, so I, I sympathize with you on that. And I assume that uh, the book has a lot of really interesting stories in it. And um, we won't have, we yeah, won't I think, you know, here. because I worked with the bands and their humble beginnings, it's interesting to people because it's, you know, a terrain that hasn't really been covered. So, um, and also, yeah. you know, being a woman in the business is sort of a different slant. You know, most of the well, for, books written by women are love affair tell-alls, and that's not what this is. And it's not like a TMZ version. It's kind of my business dealings with those bands. So, Well, any... Um, any uh news on getting an option for a film? Um, actually, I'm meeting with a television company this week, and I'm trying to nail down a writer for the proposal in the first few episodes, and, uh, you know, still stalking yeah. Amy Schumer, because I want her to play me, but haven't gotten in <laughs> touch with her yet, so... <laughs> I think that would be perfect casting, right? Brilliant. It totally would. I mean, it's like her character in Trainwreck, only a rock and roll version, you know? So. Absolutely. Well, I, I wish you luck on that. And if uh, you do get an option and uh, make the film, we'll do our best to see to it that people know about it. But in the meantime, you're doing readings and book signings, and I know you're about to go on a, um, a Virgin Music speaking tour. You want to tell us about the readings and the book signings and the tour in England? Sure. My next reading is at Storybooks in Los Angeles, at, and it's during Echo Park Rising, and I'm speaking with the very fine Iris Berry, who's one of my good buddies, and she's kind of a punk rock historian where I'm a rock historian, and uh you know, I think it'll be really fun. That's on the 18th of August. It's also the same day Guns N' Roses plays Dodger Stadium, so it's sort of apropos. Um, early enough that you can make both. You know, we're starting at 6 o'clock. Um, and uh, then in September, I'm going to the U.K. and Ireland. I am um, doing Q&As at the Virgin Money Rooms and I'm um, going to do some book reading and I'm um, doing a little reading in Ireland and trying to put together some gigs as well that I'm going to like be reading at so I can't wait I haven't been to the UK in quite a while it's been like the mid 90s well, so I'm excited you to know go. this program is, this program is heard in the UK so oh awesome yeah, so we want to, and my daughter lives in Ireland, so I've been there a lot. Uh, you're talking about the Republic, uh, Dublin? Yes, I am, uh, okay. what's the name of the place? Brixley's or something in the town square on the 21st of September I know, I know. in Dublin. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah okay, apparently right. there's well, a statue of uh, Thin Lizzy hanging outside. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, yes, there is. <laughs> okay, well, let's make sure yeah. that, that our, 
our audience in London knows how they can find you, where should they go for information on the uh, the, the the British tour? Um, the Virgin Money stores have their own website and calendar, and you can click on their calendar, and all the information will come up. I think you have to sign up for the Virgin Money rooms. I'm still trying to get that detail, but um, that's okay. how you do it. Okay, and they can also I think follow Virgin you. Virgin Money and, Rooms is part of virgin.com. There's, I don't know. Okay, I'm sure you can well, find can, it through Virgin. Okay, all right. <laughs> or you there, can find word. it through vickyhamilton.com because I will be posting all of that stuff too. Exactly. Okay. So people should go to VickyHamilton.com. And I just got an email in from somebody saying, what if I put in the words Vicki Hamilton and Virgin? Uh, we won't go there. Uh, VickyHamilton.com <laughs> <laughs> okay. and uh, follow her. If you're part of my artistic uh, Echoes audience in London, you, uh, you, this is a unique opportunity. So you will want to, you will want to do that. Um, just oh, remind everybody, we are talking with Vicki Hamilton, and you can talk with her. You can email us, as some of you already are, at, at uh, musicfridaylive at gmail.com, or you can call in 347-215-7511. The person who just called in and dropped off, I guess we answered your question, but feel free to call in again. Now, the, oh, more emails coming in. We'll get to those in just a minute. The last line in the preview of your film trailer reads, music is free, now what? So you work with musicians yeah. and you help them be successful. How do you answer that question? Well, you know, I think it's really reinventing yourself and how you play the game. I mean, we used to um, give away T-shirts to sell records. Now we give away records to sell T-shirts. And because of the Internet, it's a much smaller world. And in one way or another, you are going to have to be a YouTube star. So, you know, get yourself a good tech person and uh, – See how you can point people to your website. And I think that all bands should have their own websites and not go through, you know, Bandcamp and all that other stuff because, you know, cut out the mental man is always my philosophy. Probably going to be hated by some corporate peeps right now, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> right. Well, as you, as you look back, through the, the music history that, that you've lived in. And there was a point in it in which you saw people walking out of their record company offices, holding uh, their belongings and their hearts in a cardboard box. What do you think has been the most profound change in the music industry? Has it been the internet? Well, certainly the internet changed things. And, uh, you know, because of that, there are not the budgets that there were in the 80s um, to make records and things. So bands have to figure out how to be their own record company and get out there and tour. I mean, I think bands now make more money from touring and merchandising than they do off of records, which is really sad because records are not free to make. And, uh, you know, if you were a painter and had an art show, people wouldn't run in and steal your painting off the wall. But in essence, that's what's happening every time, you know, you steal a band's mm -hmm. track on the Internet. It's like support new music and pay for it, you know. The um, uh, 
I have many, many bands on this, this show and they say virtually the same thing. Um, in fact, I have a, one woman I know who makes more money on the Google ads on her YouTube page than she makes them actually selling the music. So it's a different ball game. Um, the Kirk, Kirk Douglas Theater here in, in, in town, actually in Culver City, across from Sunny Pictures, is currently staging a play called Recorded in Hollywood about the, the growth and the integration of music in L.A. in the 50s and the 60s, uh, which is before your time, obviously, mine too. But one of the points that it underlines is that the music world has moved away from songwriters to artists who play their own original material. Has that, was that change pretty much completed when you entered the business? Um, boy, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, personally, I look for great songwriting. So, you know, I never sort of bought into the American Idol, the voice of the world. I mean, it's great that you have a great voice, but if you want to make money in the music business, you got to write great songs because that's, you know, your money in the bank. So I don't really agree with that philosophy. I'm, I think that somewhat we are returning to a period of the 60s where it's become more of a singles market. It's, you know, it's not album-oriented rock anymore. Or, you know, it's like, it seems like people don't have the attention span to listen to a whole album, you know. Uh, yeah. So... You have to kind of concentrate on a great single and a great video, I would say. Okay. It, well, that brings up another interesting question to me, at least. Uh, if Axl Rose or Nikki Sticks or somebody like that were to try to put together a band today, do you think they could do it successfully? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I think a band like the Struts is a band like those bands and they're managing to get out there and get a following. It's just a little different how you go about it. I mean, when I was managing Guns N' Roses, there was no internet. You know, I got my first fax machine when I was managing them and I was like, oh, this is going <laughs> to like really change my world. I'm not going to have to run paperwork around town all day, you know. So I don't think that we'll ever be able to create a Led Zeppelin or a Guns N' Roses from the standpoint of mystery because those bands had a certain amount of mystery about them because anyone can Google up what you had for lunch, you know? So it's not quite the well, same game. If if uh, they did walk into your, your office, um, how would you manage them or advise them uh, today as opposed to how you would have done it in 1981? A band like Guns N' Roses you're talking about? or Yeah. Because uh -huh. I think it's a different scenario for different types of bands, you know. For rock bands, I'm not even sure they need a record label. They can control and be their own companies. It's what they call the uh, long tail theory. I don't think we'll have the big sales of those kind of bands, but you can have your own career and make your own money and not be dominated by a corporate company. Um possibly you can get backings from, you know, a Red Bull or some other energy drink or some alcohol or whatever. Like I have a champagne company called House and Nobel that are backing me on my book tour. Um, <clears throat> it's just, I think, different how you go about things. 
Okay. Uh, I've noticed a couple of other trends um, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Um, the first is what I think I'm seeing is a major expansion of women in rock, N not just front singers or backup singers or all girl bands, but on the bass, behind the drum kit, lead guitar, as well as at the microphone. And the second trend I think I'm seeing is uh, an intermingling of Latin music and rock and pop and audiences, Latin audiences and gringo audiences, to the degree that we're seeing crossovers going both ways. Are these trends that you've seen or am I delusional here? No, I think you're absolutely right. I like work with a band called 222 that has the best girl drummer I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it's also female fronted. Her name's Tasha Jones. She's incredible. You know, okay. no one ever says Tasha's good for a girl. She's just good, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I think there are more female musicians out there doing it and I think more female managers and agents and that sort of thing I mean hopefully I've like helped kick the glass ceiling down a little bit for some girls you know um, well, on the agent as far side Latino type stuff I don't really work in that genre but um, I do see that it is a trend you know and how can it not be I think we have like 10 million Latino people in LA so <laughs> Well, I, I, I noticed that, that uh, a singer like uh, Alison Arrieta uh, is now recording in Spanish. And now, you know, she's obviously, she's uh, have Spanish heritage, she's Latina, but she made her, her chops in English, and all of a sudden she's going the other way. Same thing with Destiny Malibu. So I'm seeing this this kind of, this crossover here. Now, you, you've produced a film on the music you know and you love, and it strikes me that your timing is pretty good, that there's an appetite for, for music uh, films and TV right now. We've seen Empire and Roadies and 20 Feet from Stardom, and they've all done well. So where is, where is your film now, and can we see it? Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Are you talking about the documentary that I'm making or – the right. TV series based on my book because they're two separate entities. But um, um, what I'm trying to do is a TV series that's based on my book. I'm going to fictionalize the characters, so it will be a lot of fun, but based on the 80s. And uh, just in the process of doing the paperwork to get that together right now, um, I, I recorded like 100 hours of documentary footage with three different producers in a documentary film. I want to like bring that together and, you know, it, it just needs to really be strung out and edited and some B-roll shot and, you know, narrated. But I have some great stuff like I have Steve Wozniak from Apple and, um, you know, I've interviewed Slash a few times and Dick Dale and, you know, just people that have like incredible views of where the industry was and where it's going. And I definitely want to get back to that. I've kind of kept my focus on the book. And now that the book is out there, I'm starting to like think, okay, now what do I want to do? <laughs> and I'm also doing a club called the found sound at the lost room at a club in echo park the last Saturday of the month. I just started doing that. And, uh, I have the unlikely candidates in August as the headliner, and then in September I'm doing Richie Ramone. We're kind of doing a CBGB sort of night. It's going to be awesome. So, 
Well, wait a minute. I yeah. didn't know about this. You're also uh, producing events too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. you know, I come from a booking background as well. I book stuff on the Sunset Strip and, um, you know, I booked Bar Sinister, the goth club in Hollywood for nine years, and then I booked the Malibu Inn. So it's not like a new thing. And, you know, I've always kind of had my toe in the booking as well. Keeps you current so that you know what bands are out there is the main yeah, reason why okay. I do it. But plus I like I just feed off of the live energy. You know, last night I was at the Last Shadow Puppets in Orange County at the uh, observatory, and it was Man, just the kick in the ass I needed. Such a great band, you know. I kind of tend towards those kind of projects now. It's like I'm not, like, really angry, so the angry rock bands are not my passion anymore. But give me a great rock crooner, and I'm all about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, I was... I was going to ask you, you, you fell in love with metal, which is still a, a pretty big genre, um, most of which I guess you could call angry rock, but it's broken up into lots and lots of subgenres. And same thing with music. I mean, mu music is just fractionated into so many genres and fusions and subgenres. How do you feel about this, this fractionation of music into so many subcategories? Has that been a good thing for the business, a bad thing for the business? Does it matter? Sure, it's that whole thing I'm talking about, the long tail theory. It's like it's small groups of people that appreciate certain things. And I think it's good because of the Internet, you know, you can do blogs and, you know, you can point yourself to the right blogs that would be interested in what you do, you know. Just like your blog, so, right? Yep, right, right. <laughs> Well, actually, I'm, we're, we're sort of general here. We do everything that's cl except classical. If you can, if you can dance to it, we talk about it and play it. That, that, that's uh, my genre. Now, my my other radio show, um, Musica Fusion LA, we do uh, Latin uh, Gringo fusion music, which is a huge, huge thing. LA is just a cauldron of creativity and fusion music right now, and what's coming out of East LA is is. Remarkable. It's kind of like in the, the 70s in, in Compton when hip hop got turned into uh, rap and spread worldwide. Yeah, I've heard I that's, that's like a big out. scene. I don't really know enough about it. I guess I need to see some of the front runners so I can form an opinion on it. <laughs> it, it is. It's a very, it's a, it's a very big scene. And uh, you said 10 million Latinos. Actually, the, the number is closer to five. But if you um, draw a line from Pasadena, all the way around the east side of Los Angeles down to Compton, there's about a million and a half to two million people who speak Spanish, most of whom also speak English. And there is a huge music infrastructure of clubs and artists and agents and bands and, and producers uh, in that area. Um, and, uh, I know. But, I mean, I have people that are friends of mine that are moving to, you know, East L.A. to, like, find the next big thing in that genre. I was like, really? East L.A.? Okay. You know? Oh, so, believe me. Well, tell them to listen to my show on, no, on Wednesday. There's like, there's, like, no, you know, Highland Park, and that area is, like, really big, too, for, like, new bands. And I know that there's some of that going on yeah. there as well. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, La, La Cita Club uh, over there. Uh, is is a good place to go. Um, Los Globos is another yep. place you might want to 
check out uh, El Sereno I've Cafe. I've been there a few times. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. It, it's a it's a big infrastructure, um, and it's and it's bilingual too. The every uh, every month Thursday night at Los Globos, there's an organization called Girls Rock LA, which uh, presents uh, female rockers who are bilingual. It's put on by a production company called The Living uh, Sessions. Uh, so that it's a it's a big deal. I think well, there's I wanted, all kinds of hybrids going on. I mean, at Echo Park or at um the Echo, they do a night called Funky Soul, and I went there with mm-hmm. a friend, and I was just like mesmerized by the mashups of, you know, all kinds of stuff that I haven't even thought of for a long time. But it's like really cool, and it seems like it's more groove oriented than like lyric oriented. But it was really fun. I dug it. Um, you know? It. it yeah, you should keep your keep your eye on that. Also, uh, BMI does a uh, a regular um, showcase at the um, um, Guitar Center in um, Beverly Hills. It features uh, Latin fusion bands. Uh, I, I call them ALM, American Latino bands. Well, we're, we're down to uh, the the last few minutes, and I wanted to to make sure that 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 people uh, have a good sense of all the other things you're doing and particularly the book. Now you had mentioned and you, you gave us some information on uh, your readings. We've got two emails here from people who said, could you please repeat that? So maybe you should tell them again where you've got your, your book signings and book readings coming up. Um, the next one is um, August 18th at Storybooks in Echo Park at 6 o'clock and I'm reading with Iris Berry out on the patio there. It's the same night as Guns N' Roses' Dodger Stadium which will help you remember it. Um, and then I'm going to the UK. I'm starting in Glasgow on I believe it's the 12th of September and then Manchester Shetfield London on the 16th and Dublin, Ireland on the 21st. And there'll probably be a few others in there as well. And that's with the Virgin Money Rooms, except for the one in Ireland, which is a private thing. And uh, people should uh, follow you on uh, your website and your Facebook page. And they can keep up with... um, uh, My website is vickihamilton.com and you can buy a book through that or you can buy it on Amazon. But please buy it from me and cut out the middleman and I'll autograph it for you and send it the next day. And uh, yeah, I have Facebook. I have an author page. It's like I've already filled up my 5,000 friends. But maybe some friends will fall off and I can friend you. And um, I have... Instagram, you know, I've got Twitter, I've got all those socials, yeah. Okay, well, we are out of time, and I want to say thank you so much. This has been a delight talking with you, and I'm going to have to go out and and order a copy of uh, your book from your website now, but uh, thank you for spending the time with us today. This has really been a delight. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It was fun. You have been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Cyberstation USA, Blog Talk Radio, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, and you'll get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano. You can download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com or on iTunes. Check out our Twitter stream and our Facebook page, and we'll update you on next week's guests. 
Good night, everybody. Have a great musical weekend. And we're going to leave you with a little bit of Mom's Bungee. I noticed it. Here we go.